you are able, will you please stand for the call to worship? Throughout God's world this day, Christian churches are celebrating the Eucharist as one family dining together in one room under one roof. Neither powers nor principalities shall stop us nor deter our purpose, our sense of mission or our challenge to go forth as disciples into every town, village, and crossroad, proclaiming the love of Christ for all creation. Let us praise Christ. May this holy meal empower each of us to be agents of hope and peace in a time of uncertainty and strife. May Christ bless the worldwide communion of the church this day.
be seated. Let me welcome you to worship this morning here at Southside Baptist Church. It's good to see you all. There are guests with us today, some who have traveled afar, at least across the state, and we're glad that you're here. Others who may be here in town and visiting for the first time, and we want to welcome you today as we gather together. It was a, a wonderful evening last night as we experienced some rain here in Birmingham to quench this uh, dry and parched earth, and we're delighted and give thanks to God for that. And also for the fact that as we gather here, the Lord is here. His Spirit is here and with us always, wherever we go, but especially as we join together in corporate worship to uh, assemble together, to unite our hearts and minds and spirits, but not only here, around the world as we celebrate this communion today. Southside Baptist Church is here in the heart of Five Point South. We seek to build an inclusive community of grace first in this community and, be, and then beyond. And uh, that also means that we try to reach people through various means, even those who are worshiping with us by, via live stream today. Those uh, who are, some are not able to be here that are members and others maybe that have, have found us. So we're, we're delighted that you're also worshiping with us. We would ask that uh, everyone present sign the registration tablet at the end of each pew, and that'll give us a record of, of your attendance, especially if you're a guest, so that we can uh, thank you for uh, gracing us with your presence here today. We would ask today that you take a moment and um, pass the peace of Christ to those that uh, you see around you and um, let them know that you hope and pray that this will be a time of, of, worshipful, uh, of worship that we spend together where our spirits are uplifted. As you find your place again, and um, I'd like for you to join me in prayer as we ask the Lord's presence to, uh, to bless our time of, of worship today. Let's bow together. Oh Lord, we, your children, come together today, and we do so with a an anticipation of the celebration of worship, the celebration of communion, the knowledge that as we lift our voices to you, as we honor you, that it pleases you. It brings great delight to us to know that we are indeed bringing you pleasure, but also that we are fulfilling that commitment to gather, to worship, and to live in your presence day by day. Thank you, Lord, for being here. 
and for the worship that we are participating in. And we ask, O oh Lord, that our spirits might be lifted in these moments together. In your name I pray. Our first lesson from scripture for today is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, the first seven verses. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you, all assemblies, and come to you. Your sons come from afar, your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and, the radiant, and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of all the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, hearing that bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. All Kedar's flocks will be gathered to you. The rams of Naboth will serve you. They will be accepted as offerings on my altar, and I will adorn my glorious temple. Here ends our first reading of Scripture. 
Our second reading is from the Gospel of Luke and in chapter 7, reading from verse 18 through to verse 23. If you're able, in honour of the Gospel, will you stand for the reading of Scripture? The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? When the men had come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus had just then cured many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and had given sight to many who were blind. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. This is the word of the Lord. seated. How are you all today? The reason I was trying to get over here, um, Jack, was I wanted to stand over this way today because we're going to talk about something that's right here. Um, Y'all come on over this way. Caroline, please. What we want to do is we're going to, in just a moment, I'm going to have you come around to the front of the table because this is a special Sunday in the, in all of the world of the church. Those who believe in Christ today, those denominations that participate, will be celebrating World Communion today. Now, when you think about World Communion, what would you think of if I say, we're going to celebrate communion, but it's World Communion? What do you think? It's all over the world. It is international. And we read about that in our, in our call to worship, that people from Africa, Europe, Central America, Asia, other lands will be lifting bread and the cup of sal- the bread of life and the cup of salvation. And if you look on, on the front, go around and look at it, it, which we will in just a moment, just a second, uh, Miss Nancy and Mr. Paul have uh, fixed all of this out here with breads from various different places around the world. It's a lot of bread. And we'll not eat all of this bread, but what it is to remind us of that people who usually make this as a part of their everyday life, those from Africa and Asia, those from the Middle East, those from here and North America, different places, the bread that, breads that we eat that sustain life are also oftentimes those that are used when we celebrate communion. And we're trying to make, make it obvious to all of us that we're bound to people around the world because of Christ and what Christ has done. So come around to the front and look at the bread for just a moment. And we won't touch any of it, okay? Let's just look at it. I know it's, well, those are bagels, they're not donuts. I know you like. 
There's all kinds of different breads, some that are flat bread, some without leaven, some that have leaven in it. And the reason is that when we look at all of this, we say, you know, this represents just as like there are various different kinds of bread. There's also this kind of, there are that many kinds of people around the world too. But one thing is true. If we believe in Jesus of Christ, we're all bound together as one because we are one with him. So today as you, we can go back over now. Today as we celebrate communion, remember that as we take the bread and you will take it and, and dip it into the cup, that there are people around the world, all over the world, that are also observing that and are saying the same things that we have, that they too are bound together with us because of what Christ has done. So we can, we can uh, cherish that and give thanks for it and remember them and to pray for them too as they will pray for us. So let's bow together as we remember this, but also as we make plans even to receive this, but in the week to come. Loving Lord, we thank you for all the provisions we have, provisions of life, for bread that sustains us, for water that nourishes us and quenches our thirst, but nothing so much so as the bread of life and the cup of salvation, which we celebrate today. Bless these children. May we always remember that we are bound to those around the world through the one who has called us and who has redeemed us. In whose name I pray. Amen. Join me in prayer this morning, shall we pray? God of grace, we gather together, my sisters and brothers, to celebrate your love towards us and the gifts of bread and wine. Bless us as we gather. Grace us with your presence. May we see in each other your light, your love, and your very presence with us. May it not matter that we have differences in our looks, our names, our theologies, or our way of doing things. May what matters today and every day be that we are one in you. And as we pray, many we call to mind as our sisters and brothers are unable to be with us today, whether in body or spirit. May you bring comfort to those who are grieving, lonely, heartbroken, ill, or broken of spirit. May you strengthen those whose lives feel shattered, don't make sense in crisis and experiencing loss. May you see the, say the healing word to those who need it. Bring the human touch to those who may not have been touched in a while. May, your, may we love the unloved through ourselves. We pray for a world torn apart by conflict and war a world that lives uneasily in a climate of fear with no clear vision for future days. We pray for a world where division between nations, race, religion, neighbors, and family leads to distrust. We pray for a world that is short on happiness, too busy to enjoy what you have created, too preoccupied to appreciate life. 
We pray for a world that needs to know your love, your hope, your peace, your joy, your salvation. We pray that we who are your church may in this World Communion Sunday remember the cost of our salvation, the love that was shown to us by your Son upon the cross. May we also remember that we are one in Christ Jesus. We are part of a worldwide church and you have invited us to demonstrate to the world the reality of our discipleship. By this shall not people know that you are my disciples if you love one another. May our communities round about us here in Southside begin to see in the unity that we express today around your table, the mercy and peace that we have known and that we long to make known to others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers as we offer them in the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
rather than walking around the River Jordan, John the Baptist is pacing in his prison cell, unable perhaps to see the light of day. He had preached truth to power, risky, especially when he challenged the political power of Rome, but also of Judaism, and it landed him in jail. Jewish expectation at the time was, as John himself thought, Messiah would come and would proclaim release to the oppressed and let the prisoners go free. And yet here he's still in prison. Jesus has done nothing about it and is wondering what the future holds. It's a complicated political situation that he's living in. The Roman Empire occupies the region. Herod Antipas serves as the Rome's chosen Jewish king, a puppet king, really. He's well known for serving his own interests above that of Judaism as his father Herod the Great had done. It means that Israel is a client of Rome. They've got taxes without representation. That caused some trouble some years ago. Specifically, John told King Herod it was immoral for him to live with his brother's wife. The message didn't go down well with Herod and so he captured John and put him in prison. He's been obedient to God's purposes. He's been fulfilling the will of God for his life. He's been telling people about the coming Messiah. When he saw Jesus come to be baptized, he said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. You should be baptizing me. As far as he was concerned, his cousin was going to be the one who was going to be Messiah. And yet, and yet, he's still in prison. And so he calls two of his disciples who are not named by Luke to go and ask Jesus a question. Should we be looking elsewhere? This doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven, says John. Are you the one that we expected? Or should we look for somebody else? There are disappointments sometimes in following Jesus. Seems like a fair question. You can imagine his life is laced with disappointment. Hope deferred. Status quo has not changed. He's been preaching and preaching and preaching. And lots of people have been baptized and have been repenting. Surely that counts for something in the kingdom of God. Yet Luke uses the language that makes irony clear. Should we look for somebody else? The blind are seeing, but should we look for somebody else? Given the tenuous situation that John's in, we're not surprised by the questions, by his doubt over whether or all it was worth it. Would all those days and nights eating locusts and honey, is that really going to pay for the future? Has his God-breathed mission, as somebody who's been filled from his mother's womb with the Holy Spirit, is it actually going to make a difference? My guess is that at this moment in time, John is not as sure as he once was. He's clearly receiving word what Jesus is doing, but it doesn't seem to be working out for John. If we're honest, we who claim to believe that Jesus is our redeemer has come into the world to make a difference, we sometimes wonder as well. We look at the news round about us, we see the international news of trouble, we see national news and we look at our own lives. We deeply understand John's question for Jesus. Sometimes we don't just see that things are working out well. 
As preacher James Kai once said, the problem is we cannot see any sense or evidence that God is drawing the plot lines together. There sometimes there are disappointments in following Jesus. When life hits us with unexpected challenges, when the old assurances that seem so certain are shaken, when an unwanted separation or divorce tears at married life, when tensions flare up in terms of an extended family, when people face unemployment or financial difficulties, we lose significant friendships, we discover our life partner is ill and is dying, a close friend is diagnosed with cancer, a whole village is massacred in war, the gap between the rich and the poor are increasing and justice doesn't seem to be happening in our world or our communities. Some pain out of the past that we, we thought we had dealt with and it had gone suddenly reemerges. For the most part, wrote Paul Shearer, we keep the question tucked out of sight and our hearing, but periodically it bursts through in our minds, our thoughts, and we begin to say, are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus, I suspect, probably disappointed a lot of people whose expectations were not only unrealistic, but just not part and parcel of his mission. I think as John heard what Jesus was doing, the ministry of Jesus seemed to be so different to John's ministry. For example, Jesus didn't come repeating John's warning of repentance and judgment to come. Indeed, Jesus seemed to be speaking more about grace and mercy and love and compassion. I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. I've come not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. It didn't seem to make sense to John. Secondly, Jesus didn't take up the mantle and lifestyle of an ascetic prophet that John had done. He's not wearing sackcloth. He's eating good food. He's drinking good wine. He's changing water into wine, in fact. Indeed, he's, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners, and they're saying he's a drunkard, he's a glutton. So different from John. And in the third place, Jesus did not assume the role of the Davidic Messiah who would come in might and in power and destroy the Roman armies and free the people of Israel. Are you the one we've been looking for? Or do we need to look elsewhere for our salvation? So John responds to the question by helping the disciples of John and other people around about them to see the wider picture. Go and tell John, he says, what you have seen and heard. I mean, I'm just not telling it myself. What you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them. Miracles, preaching, good news. The undercurrent of the text in, in Luke's gospel is between people's expectations, even John's, and the reality of who Jesus was and the actual character of his ministry. I suspect we do that with Jesus as well. We have our own expectations about what he's meant to do for us. Sometimes we give the impression that Jesus is here to meet our personal needs, interests, career, health, possessions. And if we don't achieve what we hope we were going to achieve, then we say, 
I'm just not satisfied with what you're doing for me, Lord. Should we look for somebody else? Or are you the promised savior? Interesting that Jesus doesn't criticize John for sending these two disciples, but he does broaden their understanding. He does help them to see the wider picture of his ministry and message. He helps them to put things in perspective, I think. One of the most difficult, challenging verses, I think, in the Bible about this kind of thing is when Paul told the church in Philippi, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We might be tempted to say with Paul, to Paul, you must be joking. Do you know what you're talking about? And then we remember that Paul wrote these words in a prison, just as John sent his message to Jesus. Matthew Henry lived from 1662 to 1714. He was from the, the country of Wales in now the United Kingdom. He spent over 30 years in a, a city just over the border in England called Chester. He wrote a massive six volume commentary on the whole Bible. When he came to make his comments on Philippians 4 verse six, don't worry about anything, but offer thanksgiving to God, he was robbed. He was robbed and his wallet was stolen. He wondered, how can God expect me to give thanks for what has happened? And then he began to give thanks for what had happened or not happened. He said, I thank you, Lord. This is the first time I've been robbed. He said, secondly, I thank you that they didn't take my life. It was just my wallet. He said, thirdly, Lord, I thank you. It was just the money in my wallet and not all the money that I have. And fourthly, Lord, I thank you that I was the one who was robbed and I was not the robber. See what he's doing? He's beginning to view the circumstances of his life from a wider, broader perspective. I think that's something of what Jesus is trying to help John to see. Don't just look into your own situation. Look broader. Look wider. Look at what God is doing. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them. Yet we still ask questions of Jesus. And I suspect Jesus would kind of say, well, bring them on. Let me hear them. I mean, didn't you once say, Lord, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? So why are we not experiencing that growth, Lord? We pray, we give, we work hard, but it's not happening here in our community of faith. Jesus might ask us to broaden our vision, especially on World Communion Sunday. We meet for communion to remember the love and the grace and the mercy of God to us, but to remember also his love and grace and mercy to people of all nations, of all tongues, of all languages, of all tribes. God's work is broader than what's happening in our personal experience, God's work is broader than what's happening in our church experience here as Southside Baptist. Look at what God is doing. Remind yourself of what God is doing even in this place, this building. Five congregations that meet here every Sunday, morning and evening. Several nonprofits meeting in offices outside 
it within the scope of the buildings of this church. See what's happening. Update it. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them. God is at work. World Communion Sunday is helping us to broaden our vision. We've got our doubts, we've got our questions. We say, Lord, sometimes, are, are you the one? Or should we look for somebody else? And then we remind ourselves of what God is doing in our own lives, what God is doing in the life of our church, what God is doing through the life of several organizations and communities of faith within our church building. And we say, thank you, God. And we take the bread and the wine and we renew our faith and we renew our commitment and we renew our hope and we give thanks, whatever the circumstances, because we know that God is with us and God is for us and his grace will not desert us. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, for love so amazing, so divine, we offer our thanks and our praise today. Help us in the midst of all our doubts, personally, corporately, to rediscover a fresh vision of who you are and what you are doing in and through us and through the world today. And we are grateful for that. And we ask your blessing upon us as we come to take bread and wine in memory of our Savior. We ask it for his own dear name's sake. Amen. We invite all to come to this table this morning, not, not just for those who are regular uh, or members of this community of faith, but we invite all who come. Come to this table, not because you must, but because you may. Come to this table, not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to be here, but because we all stand in need of the mercy and grace of God. Come because you love the Lord a little and want to love him more. Come because we all stand in need of his gracious presence to support us. Come because the Lord invites us. Dr. Kelly and myself will be at the front and we will serve the choir first and then we invite you to come to receive a waiver, to dip it in the cup and then to return to your seat. Come because all things
number 456. Good morning, everybody. I got up this morning and I was like, well, what am I going to say today? And of course, I never know. I don't really prepare for these kind of things. But uh, I started running through the Bible and, and something touched me. I was reading in Matthew chapter 5, 14. And uh, it said, I thought about Southside Baptist Church and what it means to me. You know, and how important tithing is to each of us. You know, we do so much here. The leadership is involved in everything. The people work hard, they tithe hard, and they make this church beautiful. But I thought, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in this house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. Glorify your Father in heaven. And that's Southside Baptist Church. That's what we do here. And that's why tithing is so important to each and every one of us. Because we are the light. We do shine. And we change lives at this church. I came in this place a, a, just a butthole of a man, excuse my French. But I mean, I, I didn't care about anybody or anything. And through the love that this church showed me, it turned me into a father, a good husband, and a strong, strong Christian man. And I love this church for that. So let's pray. Father, we want to give thanks for this church and all our leadership around us. They do so much for us, and they are a part of our lives. And Father, we ask that we, we look hard at ourselves and remember our tithing is what makes this place work. It's our work together that makes this place work. So Father, as we go out throughout the day, we're going to remember that how wonderful we are and what a light we shine on each other. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm Jacqueline Dicey, and I want to thank you for having me here on such a significant day in the Christian world. Jesus, though in the form of God, did not grasp that power, but emptied himself, took the form of a slave.
loving and almighty God, we present these tithes and offerings to you. We give these out of love and dedication, out of appreciation for all that you are, all that you do, have done, and will do. It is for these reasons that we seek to serve you day by day. Bless these, multiply them, and may we always be found faithful, living for you. Amen. Be seated for just a moment, please. Just a couple of announcements to today. We have, uh, it is World Communion Sunday, so I hope that uh, this display of, of bread that, uh, that Nancy and Paul have provided here uh, remind us of that and that we can take that image away in our mind and think about it as, as we celebrate. Today, uh, following worship, we have a congregational council meeting for those able to stay, but also uh, this week we have our usual Wednesday and Thursday uh, Bible studies that we will uh, participate in in our worship time on Thursday evening as well. Express your thanks and appreciation to those around you, but especially to God as we seek to serve and live for the one who has redeemed us and called us to follow. Regardless of those times of disappointment, when we see the world from a far greater view than just our small corner of the world that we live in. Receive the blessing of God, the blessing of our Creator, our Redeemer, our friend, which will never leave us or abandon us. <laughs> 